Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well online. Cold front? Eh? Down to 95? Welcome to Texas. Ah, I got to enjoy the old Texas cold front. I see it's back up to 100 and something by the end of the week, so God willing, here a sick person, Kyle. Well, we are in a series called Deeper, and it's pretty self-explanatory, how to get deeper, deeper with God, deeper in your prayer life, deeper in, in the Word, and, and we're going to kind of branch it out in the coming weeks, how to get deeper in our relationships with one another. And, you know, you've heard me say it literally hundreds of times. If you want to get deeper with other people, if you want your relationships on earth to be good relationships you got to get this one right first because everything else hangs off of the vertical. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And, I, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've said that. So that's where we're going to begin. Our scripture this morning is found at the beginning of the Gospel of John. So if you've got your Bible, and I highly recommend you bring your Bible or pull it up on your phone or whatever app you like to use for the Bible. And beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen if you prefer to follow along in that manner. So we're just, it's quite a well-known passage of scripture. We're going down to verse 13. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave, gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. And even they rejected him. But to all who believed him. And accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with physical birth. Resulting from human passion or plan. But a birth that comes from God. So following the plan that we've been kind of laid out over the the last few weeks. What does it say? Real simple. Jesus is God. In the beginning, God created everything. Here it says Jesus created everything. Jesus is God. He created everything and gave life to everything. He brought light into the darkness. I love this. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Cannot. What a guarantee. John the Baptist was sent by God as a witness to tell people about the light that was coming so that they might believe. But when Jesus came, he wasn't recognized. And worse, he was rejected by his own people. And then the best part of the whole scripture, which is what we're going to focus on this morning, but, but to anyone who would accept him and believe him, he gave the right to become children of God, reborn spiritually into God's family. So that's, that's what it says in a nutshell. So what does it mean? 
really, really simple. It means there is hope in the darkness for all who choose to believe and accept Jesus. Real, real simple. And they can become children of God. That's relational. There's a relationship in there between God the Father and God the Son, the mystery of the Trinity, which I'm not going to get into this morning. There's a relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. He came as the herald. He wasn't the Messiah, as many people thought he was in those days. There's a relationship between Jesus and the world, Jesus and his people, and those who would accept Jesus and Jesus and God. So a lot of relational things going on in there. But it's that last one that I want to talk about this morning. The relationship between the group of people who can become children of God and God and Jesus. Now I want to put that on the shelf for just a second. We'll pull it off in a minute. I had a, a bit of an epiphany. That's today's word. An epiphany over this passage of scripture. You ever struggled over a word? Something just doesn't seem right or it's out of place and it's kind of like, well, what, what, what's that all about? Or struggled over your words? I sometimes have been known to struggle over my words. You know, someone will come up to me with an idea and, and what I meant to say was, well, that's interesting. We should talk about that. But what I actually said was, that's stupid. But <laughs> Or I come in, this is, this is literal. I come in sometimes... You know, you've you got stuff going on in your head, and I'll walk in the office, and Kim's in her office, and, and I'll launch right into what's going on in my mind. And then I literally will stop myself and say, what I meant to say, good morning, Kim, how are you? But the words are out, and off they go. There, there's a word in this passage of Scripture that troubles me. Is there a word in there that troubles anyone? I wonder if anybody's picked it out. No? It's in verse 12. But to all, to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Anyone else have trouble with a word in there? I see a Hector nodding. It's that word become. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't want to become a child of God. I thought that when I asked God, Jesus into my heart, I became a child of God. And You know, when, when the disciples were asking Jesus about how to pray, what are the first two words of the Lord's Prayer? Come on, this is not hard. Our Father, right? Our Father. There's the relationship there. What relationship would I have with my Father? I would be his child. Thank you. I can draw it out of you here a little bit. So this, and, and our father is present tense, right? It's not future tense. Right now, he's my father. So I kind of struggle with this a little bit. So what do you do when you come across a scripture that is difficult to understand? See how many of you remember the process? Observation. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? Thank you correlation what other scriptures will help to explain this scripture you always look to what is clear 
to help explain what is unclear. So I look at this passage of scripture, I think that's kind of unclear to me. It doesn't sit well with me. What's going on there? So I do a little bit of research. I'll start doing a search and I'll search for things quite simply like child and God. What verses have child and God in them? And boom, a bunch come up. And I came across a few, Matthew 18, one to three. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're a humble group of guys. Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I know what they were looking for. Is it me, God? Or is it Peter? Or like, which one of us is the greatest? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So the first thing we learn, in order to please God, we have to become childlike. And I'm well on the way, because I know my wife has told me quite often how childish I am. So I'm doing well. It's reverse engineering, isn't it? I mean, so often we think about spiritual maturity and getting more sophisticated. And, and, and then Jesus comes along and says, no, nah, actually, flip that over. The more simple you get, the more childlike you get, the closer you get to my kingdom. So what does that look like to be childlike? So I did a little search on that. Matthew 18, 4. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child in the greatest, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So first one, this is on your outline. Children of God are humble. Well, what does it mean to be humble? It means you're not proud. You're not arrogant. You don't see yourself as better than other people. You don't see yourself as worse than other people. You're not going to brag on the gifts that God has given you. You're going to use the gifts that God has given you humbly. You're humble. Matthew 5, 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. So children of God are humble. Children of God are peaceful. Matthew, actually it says peacemakers. It's not just peaceful, it's someone who seeks to make peace. Got any middle children here? The middle children are the peacemakers. Typically in a family. The middle children are the peacemakers. It's a surprise to some. <laughs> Typically, I didn't say always. If you've got an oldest, that one's the driven one. If you've got a youngest... Matthew 5, to 46 says, But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. This is a twofer. Children of God are loving and prayerful. But not just ordinary loving. He's setting it up at a standard here. Love your enemies. I don't even like my friends. <laughs> Let alone love your enemies. I mean, whew. And prayerful, pray for those who persecute you. Why does Jesus do that? You know, he sets the bar up here. You know, pray for those who persecute you. I'm not very good at this stuff. But there's a lot more. I'm not going to get into them because there's somewhere I want to go. Trusting. Children are trusting, right? You tell them something, they typically believe you. They're open. They're innocent. They're naive in a good way. They're naive to worldliness. And we're called in scripture to be naive. 
And children are needy. Anybody got any needy children? It's okay. We're supposed to be needy. We're supposed to need the Father. That's the relationship that we have with the Father. So there's a good start there. So we're on this journey to becoming childlike. But we're not there yet. It's a journey. I've got a scripture I want to read to you. It's a long one. Oh, no, please not, Pastor Mike. I'm already past my quota for the day. You've had three. (laughs) Sarcasm. It's a holy gift. (laughs) I've got a scripture I want to read to you. It's from my second favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans 12 is my favorite. Romans 8 is my second favorite. And um, I I want to read it to you because it really focuses in on this. And I'm not going to dive into it too deep because it's quite long. It's Romans 8, verses 15 through 25. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And what's that, what that's saying is, is when you come into relationship, when you accept and believe Jesus, God puts his spirit in you. He adopts you because you believed and you accepted him. You have his DNA, spiritual DNA within you. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And once you've got that spirit, what, what Paul is saying here, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in fear. You're not a slave anymore. We just sang about it. You're a child of God. He carries on. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received, a, received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Literal translation, daddy. Isn't that cool? For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His DNA, spiritual DNA, is in every person who has asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You know what I do when I get to a passage like that? Keep reading. (laughs) For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. In essence, we broke it. God created it. He created it perfect. He set up Adam and Eve. They had the Garden of Eden. Everything was good. We decided to go against God. We broke it. Death and and everything was broken. The whole creation is groaning because of that waiting for the day when he sets it all right again. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I'm looking forward to the day when I'm not stuck in sin. It's like, today would be a good day, God. (laughs) 
We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. I want one like that. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So in essence, we live in this groaning, broken world. And we too are groaning in our brokenness and our sinfulness. But we have hope. Inside of you is the spiritual DNA of God. Now, you might not feel much like that. You might even feel pretty cruddy. You may feel pretty unworthy, pretty bad. Like, I don't, I don't, I know who I am. And it's not pretty. I'm kind of ugly. And, and that's how we lot. But, It doesn't change the fact that we have the Lord's DNA within us. And no matter how you feel, how cruddy you might feel, that's Satan doing a job on you and you doing a job on yourself too. You are a work in progress and the Lord will make progress on you, in you. Not because of you, heard it this morning, because of his faithfulness and not because of your faithfulness. So what I love about the scripture, it says, even when we're unfaithful, God is still faithful. He says, I put my DNA in you. You're a work in progress, and I will make progress in your life. And it really doesn't matter what you think about it. But here's the deal. I remember preaching on this some years ago. We can make the progress difficult if we want, like swimming upstream. Or... We can go with the, ch- or we can go with the, the the spiritual flow. Go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. If you resist, it's a painful process, and this is so often what we do. You got people, okay, that the, they accept Jesus and they believe Jesus. So now I'm a child of God. I've got the Lord's DNA inside of me. But they're focused on what was. There's Jesus pulling us towards what is, what is to come. And they're focused on what was. They're focused on who they used to be, the things they used to do, the guilt that they have, and the things of the world that always attracted them. And their hands are out, kind of like... And the focus is this way. Meanwhile, Jesus has his DNA in you and he's moving you that way. But you're facing this way. And you're going upstream. Now, you're not going to win this battle. Jesus wins this battle. But you know what happens when you walk backwards? You fall over stuff, right? You stumble, you fall, you get hurt because your focus is back there. And Jesus is saying, you're not back there anymore. I put my DNA in you. You're going this way. Yeah, really? Wow, that looks good. I wish I could have had some of that. And the focus is in the wrong direction. But if you've got the courage and the trust, the childlike trust to say, I'm going with Jesus. And you can turn around and go with the flow. Wow. What a difference between the battle that goes on when you're facing that way, but you're going that way. And when you're facing that way and going that way. 
Does it mean that you're perfect? Absolutely not. You're still a broken person. But I'm a broken person with my eyes fixed on Jesus and I'm going with the flow. I'm going with the flow of where Jesus is taking me because I am his child. I've got his DNA in me. And I trust him. And it's like, use me, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. When you're facing this way, if somebody asks you to serve or talks to you about what it means to be a part of Christ's family, it's a labor. I've got to give. I need to do something. I don't have time for that. Read my Bible. I don't have time for that. It's just... When you're facing this way and you're with Jesus, it's like, I'm broken, Jesus. I'm not very good at this, Jesus. Use me. I'm going with the flow. It feels good. I'm going this way, Jesus. I got that DNA in me, and I'm holding on to that DNA, and I know my God is changing me. Thank you, God. (laughs) There are those who are children of God, and they're fighting it. And there are those who are children of God, and they are living it. Which are you? Those who are living it, are they perfect? No. Do they stumble? Yes. But they're living in hope. Do you know the biggest difference? Do you know the biggest difference between those children who are fighting it and those children who are living it? Worry lines. That's the biggest difference. My experience of people... I see the ones, yeah, yeah, you know, I've asked Jesus Christ into my life. I I, I want to be a follower of Christ, but they're they're not living it. They're worried about stuff. They're always worried about something. And the ones who are living it, they don't have the worry lines. It's like, yeah, baby, I'm going for it. Everyone who has invited Jesus Christ into their lives as Lord and Savior, that means believed and accepted, you are a child of God of God, and you are becoming more childlike. It's a good thing. I called this message becoming for two reasons. Because we're becoming a child of God, even though we are a child of God. But becoming has another meaning too. Anyone know what the other meaning is? Beautiful. She's quite becoming. He's quite become. It's beautiful. You are becoming, becoming. You are becoming beautiful. And it's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with God who put his spirit in you. You just got to go with the flow. Now, I said I had an epiphany. So I want to get to the epiphany. Today is our Kids Way open house. And I was kind of racking my brain. How am I going to tie Kids Way open house, even though it's all talking about children, with this being a child of God? And I'm studying this passage of Scripture that I put in your notes. And, and I had this epiphany. I had this, wow. Gave the right to become children of God, to everyone who believes and accepts them, he gave the right to become children of God. We're all children. We don't have a children's ministry. 
the only ministry we have is children's ministry. We're all children, right? Our men's ministry is children's ministry. Our women's ministry is children's ministry. Our youth ministry is children's ministry. Our kids' way is children. We're all children. So every ministry that we have is children's ministry. Everybody in this room is involved in children's ministry. Because we're just a bunch of kids. We're just children. And as children of God, we have an obligation to all of the other children. And they have an obligation to us. It's a two-way street. And it feeds into this relationship with our Heavenly Father and Jesus. Mark 9.37 says, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but my Father who sent me. And then in Matthew 19, he says, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. We have an obligation. We help each other on this journey. That's what we're here to do. If you see me struggling this way and everything's going uphill, I need you to come alongside me and say, you faced the wrong way, idiot. Slap me upside the head and turn me around. You're all floating down the stream with smiles on your faces. And what's going on here? Need someone to, oh, there is no hair. Need someone to grab my shoulders. And, this is the way, bud. Come this way. It's better this way. We have an obligation to do that for one another. We support one another on this journey from the littlest one, the youngest one, to the oldest one. We work together. We support one another. And that's the essence of our Kids' Way ministry down there and our Bible Bears program. Bible Bears is our weekday program. Kids' Way is primarily our weekend program. You know, sometimes... I think children's ministry gets, it's kind of, it's odd. Children's ministry is the forgotten child. Because they're down there, right? We don't see them. We do a reasonably good job. We have the kids come in once a month and they help us with our worship. So it kind of keeps it front and center. But for the most part, it's something down in that hallway. And I don't really want to go down there because it looks scary. And they become the forgotten child down the hall. I want to tell you why Kids Way Ministry is, is important. You know, sometimes we talk about children being the future, right? They're not the future, they're the present. Because we're all children. And we need to help them get on the journey and stay on the journey. I was looking at some statistics. Last two weeks ago, they had a thing out at DBA, and a couple of our leaders went out there. And uh, my daughter, Amy, and Libby, who leads that ministry, had a notepad full of notes. And we met last week after church, and they were going over their notes. And some interesting statistics. 85% of American Christians say they took the step of faith to invite Jesus into their lives as their Lord and Savior before age 14. 
if you stretch it out to age 18, it's 94%. Now, if you want to be cynical, not like me, you could say that after children's ministry, everything else is maintenance. It's just keeping it going. Getting them on the journey is so, so important. But the challenge is keeping them on the journey. So I want to share another statistic with you, and it's one you don't very often hear, and it's kind of a hidden one. So 85% make commitments before they're age 14. 94% up to age 18. Two-thirds of students who attend Sunday school, VBS, and attend church will drop out of church in their teens and their early 20s. Two-thirds of them. So you go back there and you look at those kids in the hallway. You see how many is there. Two-thirds of them are going to walk away from it. Why is that? I have a theory. Why do the one-third stay connected and the two-thirds disappear? I have a theory. Parents and grandparents. Kids who see it lived out at home, they see their parents serving. They see their parents praying. They see their parents in the word, not just on Sunday morning, not just at Bible study. It's a part of who they are. They see their parents giving. They see a generosity in their parents. When they can see that Christ is real and active in their lives and in their grandparents' lives, those are the one-third of kids that stay the course. This is so important because it becomes a part of who they are because it was a part of who mom and dad was, who the grandparents were. And our role here in Kids Way, we're not here to take the place of parents. We're here to come alongside parents and help them in their spiritual walk. You know, when the church partners with parents, great things happen. I'm going to let Randy Thompson come and share his story with you. Thank you, sir. Well, I can sit here. Uh, my name is Randy Thompson. For those of you who don't know me, and if you don't know me, I hope to get to know you someday. <clears throat> uh, I grew up in a little small town in Mississippi called Gulfport on the coast in Mississippi. Um, my mother was one of those parents that made me go to church every week. We were there every Sunday morning for Sunday school and big church, we called it. And also, Sunday evenings a lot, and on Wednesdays a lot, too. So, went to church quite a bit. And I remember Sunday school and the teachers having such a caring attitude about me learning about Jesus and all of us. And the time that they took to spend time with us and to teach us, just like our Libby uh, does in the children's ministry today, Right? Um, also, I remember VBS. That was a big impact for me. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, games, crafts, but also awesome messages in those VBSs. Really enjoyed that. Um, and I really got a lot of uh, good things out of it. When I was about eight or nine, after a VBS, uh, I was in church that one morning, and, um, and I just felt this tugging on my heart that it was time for me to go down front on the altar call and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
and I did. It was scary, but I did it. And it was, a, it was an awesome thing. Um, I felt like something was just lifted from me when that happened. So we continued to go to church. My mother eventually decided we needed to move from our little small church, which was probably about the size of this church, to a big, large church. And I didn't really care for that too much. But, but I stuck with it, and there were a lot of good things that came out of that as well. And so, but as I got older and into my teen years, church became, started becoming less and less important to me. Life started becoming more important to me. Having fun with my friends became much more important to me. And as it went, I more and more started drifting away from church until finally I wouldn't go at all anymore. And I know it made my mother sad that I wasn't going. But, you know, she never gave up on me. All those years, she would always encourage me, gentle encouragement, hey, get back to church, get back to church. Even after I moved here from um, um, Mississippi in 1979, she was still call me and say, hey, have you found a church yet? Have you gotten back in church? She sent me little notes, little booklets uh, a lot. So she stayed with me the whole way. Um, and then one of those years, I realized, you know what? I do need to get back. I do need to get back to God because I'd gotten myself in some pretty, well, not so good places to be, right? So I did. I came back to church. I came here to Lakeway. We started going here, um, started going to Sunday school, got involved in the men's group, started serving in children's ministry here. I served in Kids Way for about eight to ten years here, and I've seen a lot of kids go through that. Even after that, I've been serving in VBS ever since, so I've <clears throat> seen a lot of kids go through And you know what the great thing is, is to watch those children Watch those children as they see the message being taught and the little lights going on in their eyes and their minds and that they see the love and the care that's being given to them in those classes. I mean, you'll see it in the hallway. If you go down there, all those little kids are going to come hug their teacher because they just love them because of what they do for them, right? So our children are so important, like Mike said. And like he, like he said, too, it's just a, a picture perfect of what he said. I walked away for a long time. But because of what I was taught when I was very young and from the encouragement of my mother, just like we can encourage others, I came back. And thank God I did. It was the best thing I could ever do other than marry my wife, Gwen. Where's she at? I think you need to get a point for that one. <laughs> but we just need to keep in mind that children are our future. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Randy. There we go. Three times I thank you, Randy. <laughs> that is a picture that we see sometimes, though. You know, you talk about those two-thirds that wander away. And this is why this is so important, that we're all in children's ministry. Because so often, as they settle down, they start to get kids of their own, those seeds that were planting come, planted come back to bear fruit. And they think, I need to get to church. I need to get back. Anyone relate to that? Yeah, a lot of people. All right. In a minute, Kyle is going to come up and, and close out the service. But I want to invite you to come and be a part of Kids Way 
open the house. There's food. Food is good, right? And see for yourselves what that ministry is all about. We're all in children's ministry. It really comes down to what's my role in children's ministry. And now I want you to be childlike. A couple of things I want you to do. I want you to be childlike right now. Children are open. Be open to what God might be doing. Be open to what God might be saying. You might be thinking right now, I don't want to go back there and see anything about kids. I'm not interested in kids. At least go and take a look. Maybe you've got an idea. You'll see something. It'll prompt you to pray for something. Or you might want to share something. Hey, we used to do this. And, or we used to do that. Be open and be willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing, I just want to piggyback on, on something that Randy said. If you're not a child of God, you need to be a child of God. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, if you've never begun the journey, you need to begin the journey. And you can begin the journey today. For people who are online watching this afterwards, it's a simple prayer. And I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward so you can relax. But it's a simple, simple prayer. So we're going to bow our heads now. I'm going to pray for everybody. And if you've never taken that step, I'm going to lead in a prayer and you can quietly pray and invite Jesus into your life. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for each one that you've brought. And I thank you for that wonderful knowledge that we are all your children. And that when you put your Holy Spirit in us, your DNA was put in us, and that's the hope that we have. And even if we struggle in this life, Father, even if, if we, we live a life filled with guilt and we don't do what you've called us to do, we, we, we face the wrong way, we can't get out from under it. Your DNA is in us, and you will bring it to completion. But if you're here this morning and you've never taken that step, or maybe you're kind of like where Randy was and you've wandered away and you need to get back, I want to lead us in a prayer, and you can just pray this quietly. Dear Jesus, I need you. Please come into my life. Forgive my sin and change me. Give me the faith to accept and believe in you. I need you. And if you're someone that's kind of wandered away, your prayer could be, Jesus, I need to come back. And I choose today to begin this journey. I want to turn around and go with the flow of your Holy Spirit. Please forgive me and take me on this journey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Kyle's going to come up and do the announcements and the offering when the ser- and close the service out. I invite you to come and be a part of that. If you have children who are down there, go get your kids so that Libby and Amy can get over there and then join them over there. If you prayed that prayer today, I would like you to fill out one of the cards, one of the communication cards. Just let us know that you prayed that prayer or a prayer request and just put it in the offering as it goes by because I will be praying for you.